Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. The copyright and the public domain, in their respective ways, are both means to protect and promote the intellectual heritage of mankind. One by rewarding originality, and the other by facilitating accessibility. Every year, copyrighted heritage content enters the public domain and becomes freely accessible. Hello, I'm Lai Ming, and you're listening to Roundtable today with my colleagues Niu Hongling and Yu Xun. We discover the treasures housed in the public domain and. Every year on January first, uh, aka the Public Domain Day, some previously copyrighted content enter the public domain, meaning they are, well, accessible for anyone uh, and uh, without free, uh, without without uh, extra fee or copyright uh, contribution. So that this year I means some influential content end up in the public domain. Hmm. Yes. So after ninety-five years since their introduction, the original versions of Mickey and Minnie Mouse have now become part of the U.S. public domain. This includes the initial portrayals of the characters in the nineteen twenty-eight animated shorts Streamboat Willie and Plain Crazy. And this means that starting from January the first, which is you know what we talked about,、uh, the public domain day. Disney no longer holds its exclusive copyright, which is good news for creators. They can now engage in, you know, their works without the need for Disney's legal approval or payment of royalties. For instance, you can have Mickey Mouse from Streamboat Willie speak, sing, or dance, or even, you know, control a spaceship but not a streamboat. <laughs> And even monetize such creations. And this is influential because now, given the、uh, popularity of social media and also the prevalence of freelance or self-media content providers,、uh, people have a, a growing need for content that are already、uh, popular among the general public, and then. Uh, they could rely on these original content to create their own and perhaps、uh, tell their own stories. Yes, it's hard to believe that it's been ninety-five years, and this Mickey Mouse and Minnie's are still quite popular. They're still the center of the Disney World,、uh, the creation,、mm. the Disney Universe, in a way. And people are still enthusiastically,、uh, enthusiastically creating something centering these two mouse. And it's really interesting to see that once a、uh, work entered public domain, technically speaking, we can do anything about them.、Um, when it comes to do anything about them, the definition can be a little bit. Um, Much too I, liberal. Yeah, exactly.、Mm. Thank you. So, for for example, when it comes to、uh, Minnie and Mickey Mouse, we know this is only the first version of、right. the Mickey and Minnie because it's in black and white. It's in black and white, and, and also later versions in colors. And also, their their um um appearance, their look is、okay. a little bit different from the later copyright versions.、Mm-hmm. Which means that you can only do something if you're creating a, I don't know, a cartoon based on these two characters. You can only use these two characters, not the later new copyright versions. Sure, that's、yeah. to start with. And also, you cannot really use it to、uh, mislead people into believing that the thing that you're create you created is something actually created. By the Disney company, by Disney, yes, because、um, this involves trademark. 
something that is a concept that is apart from the copyright concept. Sure,、yeah. So these are still restricted for sure, but definitely people around all around the world are、um, cheering and、uh, being very happy about finally these two. Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse are no longer in the very strict control of Disney. Well, this should have been in the, the public domain a few decades、uh, earlier, but、uh, there's been extension of the copyright、uh, launched by,、uh, well, initiated by the Disney company to protect their own interests. Yes, because it's been very lucrative for the company,、yeah. for sure, and they wanted to protect the copyright as long as possible. There has been several rounds of、uh, lobbying extension. and extension,、mm-hmm. and I think all we need to know here is that actually, for now, the current situation is that for natural persons, individual creators, the protection period was extended from fifty to seventy years, and for corporate workers, it was extended from seventy-five years to ninety-five years. Or 120 years from the year of creation, whichever comes first. Right, and in most other countries,、um, the 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 period in which、uh, the author or or his or her descendant might claim copyright is like 50 or 70 years. years, depending on where you live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the case, but.、Uh, With the exception being the United States and and Mickey Mouse, which is why it becomes such an influential、uh, part of the story this year. And、mm. what it what does it exactly mean、uh, to have something entering the public domain? I mean, when we say people can use it freely, for instance, on social media to create their own content, and then perhaps to use the the design to make be create their own short films. That that are some good examples. Has has people really paid attention to something that was created some fifty, seventy, if not ninety-five years ago? Has anybody made active use of content in public domain and has made it、uh, rather successful? Yes, I think of course. You know, because some of these. Um, works are just so notable. You,、uh, for example, in 2023, many celebrities' copyrights entered the public domain, such as Japan's first Nobel Prize in Literature laureate、uh, Yasunari Kawabata.、Um, and so, in 2023, we witnessed a significant number of printed works featuring Kawabata's creations. And also, you know, a lot of packaging, book covers, design works that are using artworks by, for example, Van Gogh or Renoir, or you know, clothing designed with painting styles or elements of Picasso or Monet. Monet, right?、Mm-hmm. We witness so many of these、um, pieces, and I believe that commonly used works such as these paintings by Van Gogh or Monet. As book covers, we almost always know that that kind of style or the artist behind this artwork. Therefore, in such situations, we I think this is a reflection of you know the globalization of artistic, and、um, at the same time, we do not forget the greatness of these. Authors, yes, and、artists. I think classics are classics for a good reason. Sometimes、mm. by reinterpreted or understanded in different ways, or having different version based on the original work or original idea, could be a really good way to reflect people's understanding of the world. 
based on their current time. For example, one of my favorite podcasters in the podcasting world has、mm. once、uh, created this amazing podcast that I've been listening to so many times, naming "The Code of the Art of War."、Mm. I loved it oh, really much. Really that is the to flatter me. <laughs> at least remember the name correctly. It's decoding, decoding the, the art, art of war. war. Well, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> the idea is that. By interpreting it, or explaining it, or、uh, finding examples to illustrate the concept, the strategies、um, that's been, let's say, demonstrated in the original book, *The Art of War*. The amazing podcaster, naming Liming himself, has created this really good work for people in this day and age、mm. that can appreciate. And similar example goes to music in the music world. Actually.、Um, I really appreciated this、uh, female singing band S H E. That's their name,、mm-hmm. and they have. I think one of their fam- most famous works is "Don't Wanna Grow Up." It's、mm. actually based on the Symphony Number、no. Forty of Mozart. It's、oh. really nice,、wow. and yeah, yeah, and.、Uh, you should you um.、Mm, can you sing a bit? Putting your voice down, I'm not going to sing. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, that's the one、uh, based on Mozart. And、oh, yeah, recently, like、recently I, <laughs> uh, I listened to Da Zhang Wei. Uh, his new song, 世上最美的旋律 the most beautiful melody in the world.、Okay. That is actually based on、um, Beethoven's famous piece,、um, 致爱丽丝 So yes,、okay. for Ellis. So yeah, these way of creating、um, or recreating、mm-hmm. the very, let's say. Highly accepted classics with new element in it would have different. You, you never know what kind of sparks would appear in these kind of recreation.、Mm-hmm. The image that got my memory going is、uh, the poster for the movie Midnight in Paris, and it、ah. used the background of Van Gogh、uh, painting.、Night. Yeah, so, so that's.、Uh, I, I think. Well, instead of. I wouldn't want to despise or look down upon certain literary classics. I mean, I, I, but in reality, I, I, I'm probably wrong, but I'm guessing people would pay the general public would pay more attention to content circulating on social media rather than, let's say, in bookstores in or in digital eBooks. So, as such, I think、um, the The fact of having more and more content getting, going into the public dim- domain will really help content providers on social media and, and enable us to see more, more、uh, in- inspirational and also eye-opening content. Because, because before the age of social media, I think it was much easier for people to make use of heritage content, even though they haven't, they may not have gone into the public domain. If it's Something a cooperation or collaboration like B to B media organizations or film producers they can acquire the rights to certain content if they really like it and if they really think such content express their their opinions and their designs strongly then they can they can they have a way to do it. But with regard to social media, a lot of us、uh, freelance. So content providers, they probably don't have the means to acquire all the rights to the content like Mickey Mouse. And having this content, having arrangement of 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 letting content going from copyrighted to public domain,、uh, really opens the door for more more eye opening and more、uh, just 
surprising content. I mean, uh, that that's that's my uh, really really good hope for for this arrangement. But also, um, why should should why should we care about、uh, certain content becoming freely accessible?、Um, because first of all, we discussed about you know how great and how many of these. Artworks have been used in our daily lives, and it is actually something that we,、um, most people appreciate, right? So, public domain content becomes valuable educational material in this sense. I think、um, teachers, students, and researchers can use and reference these works without concerns about copyright restrictions or, you know, fostering a richer learning environment. And also, I think. As we talked about it, it is actually encouraging creativity and innovation. We,、um, when content enters the public domain, it becomes a shared resource for creative minds. So artists, writers, and creators can freely build upon and remix these works, just like the music that we mentioned before, right? So I think this is also、um, building up the innovation and new forms of expression. For people nowadays,、mm. and we talked about classics being classics for a good reason. But in the meantime, classics can sometimes be outdated. It can be a little bit hard to appreciate or to、mm. be appreciated, especially by, for example, young kids nowadays.、Uh, we talked about in the first topic. We talked about the importance of aesthetic education.、Right. We want young kids to at least have the ability to appreciate all the classics. Yet some of those can be a little bit. How can I put it? Old-fashioned, or like <laughs> Lai Ming has mentioned, some of them may contain、um, debatable issues, like nudity or、uh, cruel, cruel、um, images,、mm-hmm. and these can be, you know, modified by certain kind of second-hand creators. I mean, creating、example. animations based <laughs> on those. Yes, and actually,、uh, I I think one of my、um, ha- roundtables happy place sharing was this book called. Fat cat art. I was just thinking about it. Yes, that is a really interesting、um, second hand. I'm, I'm calling a second hand、um, creation, but actually, I appreciate it quite so much. This artist incorporate his fat orange cat into a lot of world famous painting pieces. I mean. It's a hilarious way of demonstrating these paintings, and I have to say, of course, if you want to cultivate a real passion, a real knowledge towards world-renowned pieces, you have to go check out the original work or at least the catalyst version. But it is at least a good way for people to start noticing some unnoticed, really great works. And as it got sensational on social media. People, you know, would pay much more attention to the outdated version, and that is what social media is for in a good way.、Mm-hmm. And one point that I am personally interested in is the discussion about copyright and public domain and artificial intelligence technology、oh. in our day and age. Because in in most countries,、uh, at least in this day and age. Uh, copyright is afforded to human content creators, and, and this includes China. So,、um, in this, but we are now in the age of artificial intelligence. A lot of us work with artificial intelligence technologies to create content, and that begs the question: If 
if only human beings are considered benefits or um, yeah origin uh, origins of, of uh, copyrighted content or rewarded for them, then what what is the purpose? What 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 should we look? At? How should we look at the content created by artificial intelligence? I mean, these are the copyright is a system invented by humanity to reward creativity, ingenuity, and originality mm. on on human beings on the part of human beings. But since we have become so original and so creative that we have come up with a new tool and. How do we qualify? I mean, how do we decide whether artificial intelligence-created content should be rewarded? That is a very interesting question because、uh, for the if you are first exposed to the question, you would definitely think, well, artificial intelligence create their own stuff. Maybe there can be a special category of artificial intelligence copyright. They can be one category of the、um, kind of work that's already in the public domain. And then on the second step, you would think, huh, the artificial intelligence are not creating things by themselves. There are certain prompts, and there are so many different steps to modify the work that's already been,、um, let's say, created. So, for example, if I Put in certain kind of prompts, and there is a painting emerging on the screen. And I decide it's not good enough. I'll giving it more words to modify it to change it to the kind of form that's in my imagination. So for this kind of、um, creation, perhaps my thoughts, my promote prompts should also be considered work. Or at least contributors when it comes to yeah work this、mm. kind of work. But later on, you realize some of the prompts are actually based on previous、uh, genre or previous styles. For example, I can say I want Monet's work be interpreted in Van Gogh's、uh, style. So、mm. who's to say exactly what's the copyright belong?、Um, what does the、uh, copyright belong to? It, does it belongs to Monet or does it belong to Van Gogh or artificial intelligence or I myself? And what if the work is created by me, but I was paid by a certain company? And the company paid for the artificial intelligence software. The company paid for me to learn and to get the ideas and to create this work. So yeah, I do think it's a quite a complicated issue. And, and to complicate things further,、uh, some of the AIGC、uh, are based on copyrighted content. I mean, yeah, the the. the What neural network or some of the database that the artificial intelligence uses to build their own new original content? They find, in fact, there are copyrighted content, and who's to say that the new, that the new production or the new work is not copyrighted? So a lot of it, I I think,、uh, in, in, which is why、um, the、uh, World Intellectual Property Organization (WIPO)、uh, has been staging conversations. On artificial intelligence and intellectual property and, and frontier technologies, and、uh, in in some of the latest discussions,、um, Professor Dan Burke, professor of law, University of California,、um, uh, United States of America,、um, came up with the view that,、uh, well, artificial intelligence, despite how smart they are and how willing we are, human beings, in personifying them. There are still tools, much like what, when we are using、um, uh, 
Office software like uh, Microsoft Office or WPS here in China. Um, th these are tools. Just because we're using tools doesn't mean that we are human beings who are using them are not original. And, and as such, we should uh, still be considered uh, the, the original copyright owner. Uh, whenever we are using these tools. So uh, again, this is a complicated issue and uh, some countries, including the United, United Kingdom and New Zealand, have introduced a statutory amendment to the copyright law uh, with regard to uh, computer-generated works. So uh, it's an ongoing discussion and uh, I'm just uh, glad that we bring this up uh, when we talk about public domain, copyright and all things related to this. And what's our thought? And if you have any thoughts about this, you're welcome to share your opinions with us. Uh, you remember, you can find us at Roundtable, uh, Easy FM Roundtable uh, at Easy uh, at Foxmail.com. Fox right. You're listening to Roundtable. Up next, Motivational Monday. Mo -mo -mo Motivational Monday. Motivational Mondays. Welcome back. This is Roundtable's Motivational Monday. And uh, Yushun, what do you have for us this week? Yeah, this week uh, I have a quote from an, an ancient thinker, philosopher, and a literary figure in the mid-warring states period. Oh, so his content must be in the public domain. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which can be traced back to uh, 369 BCE, whose name is Zhuangzi. Ooh. Yes, so he's actually repre representing the Taoist thoughts. And um, the quote goes like, uh, Maybe it sounds like a tongue twister, but it does. allow me to explain it a little bit. And I think it will be easy to understand after the explanation. People cannot see themselves in flowing water, but they can see their reflection in still water. Only when something is still can he bring stillness to others. So the character still encapsulates Zhuangzi's philo philosophical outlook on his life. So if one can achieve a state of mind as calm as still water, the restless spirit becomes tranquil and the world around also becomes peaceful. I believe this is also what you know many people mean nowadays when they express a desire for emotional stability when they're like seeking their partners so this quality is not just about you know the other person or a person's um you know characteristic but it's also positively influencing one's uh own emotion and in influencing the other part's emotion so i think that is why um Zhuangzi is saying that you know being calm and being still is so important that is because you know, it is bringing people that kind of state of, state of mind that we need to be as calm as we are capable of. You know, you know, do be that. You know, decision when we are having decision making or problem solving uh, situations, we can have that kind of state of mind to be calm and um, handle it. Mm, I take it that's the quality you're seeking your partner. Stillness, emotional stable, yeah. stability. I think it's very motivating to see that in this world full of uh, anxiety, full of eagerness, we get to find a little bit of peace mm. from ancient works in the public domain area, perhaps. <laughs> it's very soothing. 
Right. So my motivational Monday quote to the, this week is somehow related to uh, our topic or our discussion about public domain and artificial intelligence, like we agreed on earlier, and that is uh, artificial intelligence presents a lot of difficulties, challenges, and conundrums to humanity, uh, including the discussion about copyright and public domain. But I think it's not time yet for us to panic as to whether humanity can handle this challenge because Neil deGrasse Tyson said the most creative people are motivated by the grandest of problems that are presented before them. I think this uh, quote lends me a lot of inspiration and a lot of confidence in the sense that we human beings have survived and thrived on this planet precisely because we see every problem and we get inspired by the problems, and ultimately we find solutions to these problems. If we somehow are concerned and worried and bothered by the question of AI, then that is a grand problem that <laughs> we are facing, and it's bound to inspire the most creative people among our race, and we are bound to find find um, the right path going forward. So. Um, so I think it's not time yet to panic about the future of humanity with regard to the rise of artificial intelligence. Also, I think as individuals, it's important to open your eyes to the problems around you. Because the one of the ways that you can find uh, the ability to spot, analyze, and also solve problems around you, and how's you, that's how you make progress, and how, that's how you get better. Hmm. There you go. <laughs> Well, my motivational Monday quote today is definite. Well, it's not exactly a quote; it's a realization. We often find motivational quotes from heroes, saints, um, the let's say good people in in artwork or in history. Oh, you're quoting a bad person. Well, not the, a bad a person. Change, I'm actually quoting all the supervillains oh, because wow. I realize when it comes to supervillains, um, not no matter if they're in movies or in cartoons, they seem to be very confident about their con. Concept and their plans, and they seem to be undefeatable in certain sense. That is, every time when they're defeated, instead of saying, oh, I'm defeated, they'll say, you've just won this round of the battle, and I will win the next one, or I will be back, something like that. So I realize- They always say that. They always say that, and I think it's it's funny to realize that mm. despite their villainary, actually they are quite confident, resilient, they believe in themselves, they are optimistic, and it's funny to quote them sometimes. So if you take a look at some of their quotes, you get to see that, for example, we, we have some quotes here. Um, in Avengers, the quote said, the hardest choices require the strongest wills. Quite positive. And also in Spider-Man, we have Green Goblin saying, we are who we choose to be. Now choose. I mean, these are really positive quotes, even though they are uh, expressed in you know, in a wrong way. So I think my point here is sometimes we see heroes grapple with self-doubt or moral complicities of their actions. Villains frequently display on un- 
wavering confidence in their plans and abilities. And maybe instead of believing in the concept demonstrated by the villains, of course we're not doing that and not advocating that. We can learn a little bit of strength, a little bit of resilience and confidence from the supervillains. This is precisely why Christopher Nolan's、uh, classical movie on Batman: The Dark Knight Rises was so popular among the audience. This is because he captured a very complicated. Uh, profile of the Batman. He's not entirely bright. He's not entirely a superhero. He's a common man. He's prone to make mistakes. He's prone to have dark sides. But he rises above himself. So it all depends on how you look at things. That's all the time we have for roundtable. Thank you for listening. <laughs>